right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here. I know a lot of you are expecting me to gloat. A lot of you are expecting me to just taunt and start this, you know, reminding everyone that I picked Stu Sink to win this week. I'm not going to start the show that way. I absolutely refuse to start it. Randy is calling in from the our Denver office. Randy, hello. Hey, hello, guys. Uh, I think it's kind of bullshit that you make me call in on the listener line. I'd like a private line for these call-ins. Okay, well, we can talk about that. We can. Uh, you're the you're the CFO. You should be you know setting these kind of things up. Neil is here in the kill house. Hello, Neil. Congrats, Ollie. Oh, uh, I don't want to talk no, about that's, it. That's no. good stuff, man. I don't. That, that, that's a uh, that was a good pick. I don't want to talk about that. If you want to talk about the pouch dodging, we could do that. But maybe oh, we can I'm say that. very prepared to address that. We can talk about that all you want. Couple orders of business before we get going here. A quick mea culpa on the original penguin ad read that I did on uh, Tuesday's Justin Ray episode. Thank you everyone for bringing that to my attention. That code I gave you is not active, but NLU ship is active on uh, originalpenguin.com. It allows free shipping on anything on the website. Also, Quater by Travis Matthew. They recently released their new wildcard leather golf shoe, as well as new colorways of the Ringer and Legend golf shoes. I really enjoy the new colorways. Kind of felt like it gives you a little more options in your wardrobe there. The Quaters are awesome. They're the Period, best. Period. Point blank. The wild card leather was debuted by John Rahm in Augusta and is the newest addition to Quater's golf shoe line. Get this. The words from John Rahm himself, I absolutely love this shoe. Wow. I, was, I, I couldn't believe that. Breaking one, but news. I know. Huge, huge news. The wild card leather available in black and white colorways is a lightweight, spikeless golf shoe that provides all the performance benefits you need with the sweet spot cushioning system, but it is designed with the simple, casual style you want with its water-resistant premium leather Upper visit quater.com, C U A T E R.com to check out the wild card leather and other quater styles today. Straight up, I'll just say this I'm a man that struggles with blisters in golf shoes, not an issue with quaters. So that would be my glowing endorsement. Truly love the quaters. Uh, and Randy, I will talk to the CTO about getting you a private line. Didn't want you to think I was ignoring you earlier. Thank you. And if I could put in one more request, uh, the Quater folks, if they could make size 14s, I'd love to take part in the, the comfort of their golf shoes. Randy, I know you're a big sap for these kind of things. Talk to me about how emotional you got watching Stu Sink come down the 18th fairway with the sun. Oh my gosh, what a moment that was. Just really tugged at the heartstrings. It, it is, you know, the, the Masters into Heritage is about the sappiest you know, if I'm being a cynic, I would say hokiest uh, two weeks in golf. Usually I will give a little bit of a pass for the Stu Sink and his son storyline. One, it it is a good storyline. Uh, two, like you don't really have much else to talk about when he's running away and hiding, uh, winning the tournament. So great story. Great to see his large adult sons out there <laughs> celebrating the win with them. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was a fun week. Neil, did this one hit you in the emotional heartstrings? Uh, I, I, you know, they beat it to death, but I didn't get sick of it. I, I think the lasting memory of the tournament for me is Saturday. Uh, they got a CBS and shout out to them. They got an awesome camera angle staring straight back, like down the line, face on with Reagan and Stu, uh, going through their process. And they had, they, you know, they mic'd them up. I think they laid out for a minute and it was just, it was, 
I can't remember seeing that caddy player conversation from face on before. And so it just kind of gave me a new dimension for, I was like, wow, this is really, this is intriguing stuff. I mean, they are deep, deep in their process, which is pretty cool. I, it feels a little dirty for me to say this without them being here, but it felt a bit like when DJ and Tron get in what they call their process. And I put that in quotes because it just is, they, it's about one, one hundredth as interesting as they think it is when they, when they get it going on it and just, <laughs> takes them way too long to hit a shot and it's like dude we're we're at the jack speech thursday game let's go hit it that's a bit what it felt like uh, at times but at the same time like i couldn't help but like so this is stewart singh 610th career pga tour start and he's getting into shots and backing off and asking his son about the wind i'm like who has more experience reading the what you've won twice on this golf course before I just found that really interesting, you know, how much he wanted to lean on his son and and talk through things and and get there. I don't know that that listen, was it sad? It was like a perfect made for TV and a such a golf thing that happened, you know, with them really honing in. on well, it. They, but they should. Their, they had their own uh, like lingo too. the AP boy. Give me a Nuki boy seven. It was like, yeah, give me that AP pitching wedge, you know, whatever you feel. I like that. You know, they were they they, they had their own lingo going, which I appreciated. I'm, Neil, I'm just trying to imagine you and your dad. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh my God, the franchise and I. title. Neil, you hit that one like I do. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the club, man. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I don't, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of disagreement between the two, which I think the franchise and I would probably be at odds on a few shots. How cool, honestly, though. Stewart Singh, 47 years old, two-time winner on the PGA Tour this season. Randy, you want to go ahead and just do your bit now? Of course, uh, I sent I sent a note out privately amongst our group. That's uh, that's two wins in the last seven months for forty seven year old Stuart Sink. That is more than Tony Finau has in his entire career for those scoring at home. You're a parody account at that, this point. That's pretty neat. Uh, I, it's damning. One of these days, Solly, you'll you'll come around. I would like to. He's not here, but I, I I'd also like DJ at some point uh, in the next few days to answer for himself. He. Accuses Stu Sink of babying the ball around the golf course. Uh, where that's driving, a Tron thing. Wh- that is, that, is your well, that's brother. both of them. No, that's well, both no, of them. That has been no, a Tron DJ's, thing since like DJ's been accusing Corey Connors of becoming the new Stu Sink, just big guy babying it around. Which that, we can talk about Connors in a minute, but Tron and DJ then need to answer for this. I mean, what he he was <laughs> he was he's beaten on the ball. I mean, he's got like the old man strength popping now. He was third in, in the driving distance stat this week, which only measures two holes, averaging 312 yards off the tee. And then for the driving distance overall, he was fifth for the week. There's a lot of noise in that stat because it includes any, you know, three woods, five irons you hit off the tee sure. on anything not a par three. But yeah, he was, I saw, yeah, he was up there 175 ish ball speed with driver. I think I saw on Saturday, which I didn't know he, he moved it like that. And just anecdotally watching, it felt like he was, you know, I mean, he was putting it out there and had a lot of, you know, wedges, eight irons. He was very much uh, in a good position, right? Let, into into most of these holes. So let, let me speak for Tron. First of all, this <laughs> Tron has Tron was telling me Stuart Sink was babying the ball back when we were college kids at Miami. <laughs> uh, I, I do not want to live in a world where Stu Sink is not babying the golf ball. And if there's one course on tour that you can baby the the golf ball around, it is uh, it's Harbor Town. So. But do you I, feel like he was babying the ball around this week? If I'm being 100% honest, I've never quite known what that means. But <laughs> I, It's kind of like Kuchar, like a big yes. guy that, that kind of almost has a sacrifice. He probably could hit it a long way, but he chooses not to. Well, His yeah. swing is set up to 
find the fairway and not maximize maybe what could be a, a an advantage out of the two different sides of his mouth tron will say yeah this guy's babying the ball and then he'll say the young guys don't know how to play golf these days all they do is pound it <laughs> yeah so. yeah bob is bombing gouge stuff's disgusting it's disgusting i fully support tc i just want to get that on the record <laughs> gosh all right we're going to get into some Ryder cup stuff here later on but man a lot of questions came in about Stu single and the Ryder cup team and i've got a i got a lot to say about even that i asked that. i know and and sally's answer to me was not, not i was like how close is Stu to, to being on the Ryder cup team goes not close so but apparently everybody else is talking about it so it wasn't a bad question i i wasn't going to throw you under the bus i was going to let you let you get off on that one but i really 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 not seen that one we got us we got a write a cup segment coming on later on but man it was just a complete ball striking fiesta i know randy you were heartbroken to see that putt on 17 fall in because i thought he was going to do under 25 total feet of putts made on that sunday you know he ended up with 32 feet four inches of putts made uh, on sunday which that is unbelievable for a winner it is. It is. I would, um, you know, too bad you just talked to Justin because I would, I would challenge him. What's the least amount of, or the fewest amount of feet made of putts that a, that a winner has ever had in the final round. That would be an interesting stat. He shot 63, 63, and then closed it with 69 and 70. It was total cruise control today. A little nerve wracking watching him, you know, with some fake nuggets on the line a little bit, just, you know, the, the lead never got less than four, but at the same time, he could not find the hole with the putter today, but Man, we got to talk about the pump fakes. Yeah, the the short putt stuff is alarming. Alarming, but like that kind of seems like one of the best ways of addressing maybe some yippy feelings that I've seen. Like well, that that's got to be better than standing over a ball and, and dreading hitting it, yeah. right? It kind of goes back to I think Faxton said it to you a long time ago. Like, you know, what other sport do you start from a dead standstill? Yeah, like athletically when you're doing something so like even putting it's like you should probably move your hands or, or do something like get some momentum going it seems like you know he's found that for himself randy is someone that i, I hate to bring this you know i hate to bring this up I, I know, but you I know. but you know i gotta ask this question as someone who has dealt, job. has someone has dealt with some short putt issues in the past do you see this as a potential whenever those uh, feelings start creeping in i am interested to try it you know i kind of missed it last week at augusta uh so this was my first time seeing it and it has my attention. I'd love to uh, to try it out, get get a feel. I, I would be most worried, I think, about accidentally hitting the ball, and then you know what happens then. I, I got to tell my partners there was no intent, and that gets <laughs> you know that that gets a little. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like that wouldn't be good at all. But yeah, it's it's curious. It seemed to work for him though, so so God bless him. But I, you know, I don't want to comment too much until I've had a chance to try it personally. It. As someone that I've gotten into tournament play and over 18 inch putts, like near blacked out over the ball at times and just been like, oh my God, if I miss this, like I might just crawl into the hole and die. Like it might, you just, it is a weird tournament feeling of just dread of hitting a very short putt and realizing that it could miss is so <laughs> in that regard, like I, I sympathize with it and I, I appreciate the way he's addressed it. I did not appreciate how long he would stand over the ball and do it because it was making me very anxious as a viewer. Does, did he have a known issue with yips? I don't think so. I mean, uh, as far as I know, I, he's never been known as a, a yipper in any yeah. way. Um, Do we know it, that this is in response to the yips? Even? No. Actually, no. there is a uh, – what was it, Southern Hills, where he like four-putted the he, 72nd hole to miss the miss, Mark Brooks? It was a three-putt. He missed a shorty that three -putt, sorry. would have put him in – I think a three-putt. I hope I got that wrong uh, right. But he did miss a short, like an 18-inch putt, like yeah. almost trying to get out of the way. Yeah. When, and didn't like yips, three but it, yeah. it just I just thought of that all yeah. of a sudden. 
Very true. Stu's, I don't know. Stu Singh's got a bad rep for, you know, just stealing the the open championship from from Tom Watson, but he's always been steadfast and like, yeah, I didn't feel bad about that, man. Like I played golf. I won a major. Like this is a major championship. Am I supposed to feel bad about beating him? He be, he kind of yeah. beat himself there on 18. This isn't my fault. Yeah. I, I would say Stu, Stu doesn't over his career probably doesn't get a, a ton of people excited. Um I have a confession to make mm-hmm. that that I think you guys and definitely Tron and, and DJ have have given me shit for before is that uh, when I first joined Twitter, I don't know, t- 2011, 2012, I think Stu Sink was like the first person I followed. And I don't know why he's got like a gabillion Twitter followers because I think he was, you know, a, an early adopter of some kind. And so I remember TC's always just like, yeah, you'll followed Stu Sink first. Like, what's he what's he doing? You know, and I was like, I don't I don't know, man. It's just they recommended him to me. I don't know what to tell you. So I was the been, first golfer on there. Yeah. Like I've been deep in uh, you know, I've been following Stu for a long time officially on on uh on Twitter. He might have some bots following him now. I, yeah. He's sure. dipped below a million followers. He used to be over a million. He's not as active on there as he once was, but um yeah, I don't know. So, so I just I needed to confess that to you guys and to the people. So there you go. That was back in the day when, you know, any access to pros, like a direct access to pros was really interesting. And he painted himself as very interesting. I wouldn't say he's, I wouldn't say he's the, you know, pioneer in that way of being super interesting, but happy for Stu Sink. Happy for my DraftKings account. That's the last time I'm going to mention that. And, you know. and, ha- and also just hats off to what a career he's put together, right? On what a resurgence. Since, since 1997, like the longevity is so admirable. So I don't want to, it's not, he's not the most exciting golfer, but like, Good for him, man. That's awesome. He's putting together a serious career. Randy, what's his uh, what's Stu Singh's career earnings? Um, oh gosh, shot in the dark. Uh, Thirty-five million. Neil, um, I'm gonna go. That's a pretty good guess, Randy. I'm gonna go higher, forty-two. Ooh, really close. With this win, he's gonna be like forty-one point five. That was really, really well hmm. done. How much tax is he owe Tiger? Ooh. Randy, that you're the expert uh, yeah. on the tiger tax. Yeah, quite a lot. He's he's got some a, a large unpaid tax bill. He's been in that that tax bracket for a long time. You know, I had a tax uh, a, a thought while watching the end of this tournament, and I'm curious what kind of uh, employment relationship he has with his son, and whether he would be better off not paying him anything. You know, I assume he would chip a normal caddy off like 10% or whatever. I feel like he shouldn't pay his son anything, but instead some point this year, you know, gift him the money instead, avoid some taxes. I don't know. Solly is an ex CPA guy yourself. Can, can you help clarify that at all? No, absolutely. I have, I have no chance of helping <laughs> clarify that. Uh, I was thinking about the same as well. There is a, a yeah, I don't I, I don't have an answer to that. I was very much not the tax guy. Come on, Randy, don't put me in the Look spot at like you that. you two former financial <laughs> professionals trying to trying to find a loophole. I'm just looking out, out for Reagan. You know, I think it's I think it'd be best for Reagan, really. Is so wait, if, what are you saying? He gift him like a percentage of his what if he has an LLC or no no no. You can gift your your son or daughter, you can make monetary gifts to him. Uh and there's a pretty high limit. Uh, before it becomes taxable. And so instead of Interesting. drawing up a player caddy employment agreement, you might as well just not pay him anything and then you know, give him gifts every now and again equal to what he would pay a normal caddy. I don't think this is going to work. So I think I just Googled it. The annual exclusion is somewhere around $14,000, maybe $15,000. So that would be, that would be short. You know, Hey son, that'd be the Matt Kuchar school of, of uh, paying the caddy. Hey son, instead of paying you the 130,000 that I owe you, I'm just going to pay you 
15000 every year annually so you don't have to pay taxes on it. I, I thought there was something – yeah, I, I'm sure people will let us know. But I, I thought there was something different. Um, I just, well, maybe you, you can know, throw in a trust or something. As, as a guy named Reagan, I, I would think he would want to minimize those taxes. <laughs> That's all. A couple questions. Uh, so Jamie Kennedy asked, Long, he said, Bernard Longer said during Masters Week that an over 50 will win a major. If we assume it happens, who will be the first? I think that's probably triggered by Stuart Sink uh, at age 47 winning here uh, for the second time this season on the PGA Tour. I think that that's a great question. I, I know who Randy's going to say. Of course. And you can yeah. probably guess where, right? You like, think Phil at Augusta? That's, that's the most, most plausible. Well, I have a couple other. I think what Westwood's 47 right now. So if you're thinking five years out, I think he's a – a candidate for that. Um, he's, a, he's had so much other success. In I was going to yeah. interject. Yeah, he hasn't won one. <laughs> no, but as somebody that's still like playing at a high level around right, the right. right, like maybe like you still got to think about his skill level compared to other guys in his age group. Furick, I don't know. I, I don't know if a major tournament. Yeah, but major, maybe not. I got a couple though. Uh, I think Bubba, he's 40 right now. So if you look out 10, 15 years, like he's going to have so many looks at Augusta. I can see him winning one in the, you know, 50 to 55 age range. What do you think about that? It's uh, the odds are stacked against anyone doing it. I think I'm with Randy that Phil is definitely the best opportunity. But I don't know if Bubba's playing golf in 10 years, you know, I don't know. I just yeah. don't know. Some of these dudes that have made so much money, I just wonder how much they're going to play into their 50s. I know Phil is still doing it and has made the second most all time. You know what I think uh, is also an interesting question? Who's the next guy to $100 million? Phil's at like 92 right now. I don't think Champions Tour money counts in that. I actually, I, it doesn't. But all-time PGA Tour earnings, who do you think is the uh, the closest? Or who would be the next guy to $100 million? I didn't put this on the agenda, so I didn't give you guys any time to, to prep for this one. But it's an interesting thought. Maybe have, for a future episode, list up? I can pull it up. I mean, it's gonna be like a Rory or a Spieth or someone like that, you know, that that does it, I think. Another, another 50 guy, though, that I think is... He's 43 now. Paul Casey, I don't know, still playing at a super high level. Obviously, hasn't won one, but he seems to be, you know, just in the top 10 perpetually at big tournaments. So, Dustin Johnson's made 71.4 million. Adam Scott's made 56. I'd say DJ is probably your best bet to the next one to get to 100. I don't know if Phil makes eight eight more million on the PGA Tour. Randy, does he? Mm, oh God, no. That's that's a lot. That's like three, almost three. Two great seasons, three solid seasons. I don't think he has that much left in him. Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, it, he needs to get into some of those limited field events and and get the cash grab. Yeah, which is a, t a tough ask right now outside the top hundred. I'd, I'd be, say DJ gets there. It'd be interesting if Tiger in like when Tiger gets passed in career earnings, like JT's at forty three million. Does he have a chance to pass him? Speeds at forty five million. I'd, well, speaking of the over 50, I'd say Dustin's a great candidate when he reaches 50, you know, assuming he is still playing at that time. I, I can't imagine he loses a ton of length or athleticism, right? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. All right, I want we got to talk some more, Cal. Before we do that, this is prime for mispronunciation because I don't follow UFC, but Masvidal and Usman, did I do that right? You guys know UFC? Who that could sounds say? Great. I, yeah, who could say? They put on a show the last time they stepped into the octagon, but round two is sure to bring some serious excitement. The DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you at the center of this weekend's title fight with 26 to 1 odds on either title contender to reign victorious. So you just got to pick either event fighter to win 
during this weekend's UFC 261 title fight, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 26 to 1 odds. Help me with the math here, Neil. So if you bet $5 on either fighter, you walk out with how much money? $130. You were, you were close there. Don't worry. Why'd you ask me? I'm in the I'm not I'm not in the pouch this week. But... It's written in the in the agenda. You could have oh, gotten well, that. No, sorry, I have my other notes up. Don't worry if MMA is not for you. The DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU when you sign up to turn $5 into $130. If the title contender of your choice wins, that's code NLU to turn $5 into $130. If the fighter of your choosing takes home the crown for a limited time, only the DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well done. The Indiana, the no 1-800-9 with it. Helped me get through that one with uh, with no breath. Um, Colin Morikawa was in the final pairing today. Limped home with a one over par 72. Any big takeaways uh, from Morikawa today? I mean, just didn't have it. He didn't hit his irons well. People want to talk about the putting, but I think it just didn't have his his A game. So I don't see – I didn't think it was an indictment of any kind. What do you think, Randy? I'm kind of with you. You know, of course, he didn't putt very well. That's I, I think that is uh, a worthy issue or a, um, an important issue to – to keep an eye on, but I, I don't think his putter cost him today. I just, like you said, Neil, he just didn't have it in it, what it seemed like to me. So he, he, he didn't, he, he didn't have any rhythm is what I, I, you know, so it's like almost the, the putts aren't going to go in. He just felt like he was just out of his rhythm from the start. So missed a couple shorties early. Um, he was 57th out of 65 guys that made the cut overall in strokes game putting. So that's not good. He was second in strokes game T to green <laughs> hit it. Good. Uh, he's just not like, I know TC has beaten up this block that he he can't putt from short range. He's about tour average from from short range. It's not it's not great. He needs to be better than that if he wants to be one of the best players in the world. He is one of the best players in the world, but if you want to win at a more consistent clip, you need to be nails from close range. He's really just bad overall at putting, meaning he's from from further out, he makes even fewer in relation to the rest of the PGA Tour uh, than he does from short range. So, it's the putting as overall is an issue. He can still get hot as we saw during uh, concession and he's also bagged a major in the last you know he won the 2020 pga so just very weird weird career so far for morikawa in terms of just having looking so lost on the greens at times the numbers also not telling a great story yet has obviously had tremendous success uh and good putting weeks like it's just going to be yeah. a thing that goes week to week i think and not something that he can rely on but he knows where he can save quite a few shots if he wants to get better which i assume that he does well you i know we we're going to talk about having a little bit but it seems like a guy that maximizes his good weeks especially on the greens like when he is putting he kind of takes it to the nef- next level he capitalizes on that there's a question in here from uh new scotland golf colin has a major and a wgc is he a dog killer or neither i would argue he's a killer and not a dog right like mm-hmm. when he doesn't have it he's 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 not in the fight but if he does he's just gonna he's gonna execute people randy your <laughs> thoughts listen i i yearn for a lot of killers on the PGA Tour. I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him. He's he's a dog in my eyes. Uh, I think he's training to become a killer. I uh, I I think something you said. You know, where when his putter gets hot, he maximizes his success that week. I, it's just a testament to like his iron play and the way he hits the ball. Really, is is never 
too far off. And so it is just a matter of the putter. I, I, he see, he strikes me as a guy, and I don't have anything to back this up. I feel like he's going to do some tinkering. You know, I, I I don't think he's like in his final uh, putting grip or hmm. setup. Uh, and and I hope he finds something because man, if, if he does. I mean, if he just becomes really average with the putter, he's he's going to win a lot of events, and I think that I would be excited by that. I, I think he's I, I love watching him play. Would Would if, you argue that the uh, honeymoon phase is over with the saw grip? Yes. <laughs> does yeah. he need to switch? Does he need a new honeymoon phase? Go to a different grip? Well, just, what what uh, this may be a good time to transition into this. I know we had this for later on, but uh, there's a there's a, a style of putting that has become more and more controversial that a lot of people are switching to that I have not seen him try yet. Which is, of course, the arm lock putting. Of course, the arm lock. Which, uh, listen, I think it should be illegal. I'm, I'm riding with Billy Ho on this. I think it should definitely be illegal by, the, by the spirit of the rules with, uh, with anchoring. You know, I, I think it's a form of anchoring. How do you feel about that? That's us. Let's ask the big guy first. Well, I, kudos to Billy. I, I rare will, will a tour player just come out and say it that unambiguously. So uh, can I go ahead and read that Randy? And then uh, yeah, please, like your take please. on it. He says, I'm bringing up something different here and I'm sort of going out on a limb, but I don't think this arm lock putting is, should be allowed either. I think when you look at what other, what guys are doing now with the arm lock and moving grips to the side where it's parallel or matches the face. And then when you do that up against your arm, I mean, it's, you know, that face is dead square and that face doesn't rotate at all. It's just sort of locked in. Guys are doing it too good. <laughs> uh, and this came after, this was just this week after two rounds playing with Will Zalatoris, which I thought was interesting. I think, you know, I, I feel like the alarm bell should go off just in the name, right? Arm lock, putting. Something about that strikes me as against the spirit of the rules. Um, so I'm I'm in the camp that it should be illegal for sure. I think as long as it's not illegal, um, you know, maybe it's worth a try for Morikawa. The only thing I would caution that with is if you get wind that it's that, that a rule change is likely coming in the next, you know, 12, 18 months, I don't think it does him a lot of good to switch to that. And then he's going to have to switch back to something different. I don't know. So but the way would, these, well, the yeah. way these comment periods work, like it, when they did the anchor ban on, um, you know, actually anchoring the putter in your belly or, or, you know, a lot of different anchorings were banned. It was announced, I think in 2014 that, you know, a, a year and a half or two years in advance, it was several years of like, this is when it's going to become illegal. And you got some time to figure this out, but like there's some time down the road. So I wouldn't, if it's, if it's, you know, there's not been a hint as far as I know that it actually would become illegal. So for that reason, I would not hesitate to try it. No, but I also, I'm shocked that somebody as prominent as Billy Horschel would say something publicly about it, which is to me, it's like the first big uh, pushback. I, I, it'll be curious to, to see where it goes from here. I would say this though. I, I almost think it was that the ban on anchoring, like the chest anchoring was the answer to a question no one was asking, you know, two or three years ago. It's almost like just I want them. To, this is illegal to me because let's be consistent. Right. Yeah. But I don't fucking care about either of them. <laughs> right. I Like I'm like, wait, 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 let's go talk about the nets that they had to put up at Heritage. Like, why don't we talk about regulating the stuff that matters? Like how far the freaking balls going it is know? a big distraction from uh you know a lot of distant stuff Vinny cal asked a great question does billy horschel being anti-arm lock putting actually make you pro arm lock putting <laughs> or is this a <laughs> worst person you know makes a great point moment that's a that is like 
one of the greatest questions ever ever remember seeing. I love that onion article it's, that comes it's up. It's a total Alonzo morning gif. Yeah. Of, with oh, Horschel said something. Well, I mean, I kind of uh, I kind of buy that. You know. Buy it. But yeah, it, it is. I, I was super curious as to when the anchor ban came in, why arm lock was okay. Like, why, like you're clearly still anchoring it. Like, yeah. that's an anchor. Like, you are resting it up against your arm. Granted, it's not the butt of the club, which I think is what a lot of the issues are. But I don't know. If it is really that helpful, then, you know, I, I don't know why they wouldn't have banned that when they did this in the first place. My, when I look at the two, the broomstick has never felt like something that would be appealing or uh, help me steady the – square up the putter face whereas when i look at the forearm thing i am really curious about it it's yeah. like man that seems like it would increase my consistency striking putts more do you feel that way like what do you when you look at the broomstick did you ever think no like oh pinned to my chest like it just feels like the the longer the club the more that could go wrong all the way up here by my chin whereas with this forearm thing you're like man you just straighten that arm out and you're you're good to go it almost feels like it's it's a better version of it I'm afraid to try it because I'm afraid I'm going to love it. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah. And, and that's I'd have to deal with the, the blowback for that. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, that will, you, Randy will you do it with me? Yeah, I, I have this. I, I have a, a long putter by uh, our friends at Callaway that I'm trying to. I Part of my problem is finding a putter long enough that will go all the way up my arm. But I'm, I'm willing to try it for sure. On the other note, the, the temporary net that was set up at Heritage this week. Can we please talk about that? How... They they brought in cranes as they did last year to to you know extend the net of the range at Harbortown. Randy, you were just there. I, from what I gathered, the Harbortown range is especially small. But they they, they brought this in because Bryson was pounding balls over the fence last year, <laughs> putting people on the eighth green in danger, endangering volunteers, endangering volunteers. And then Bryson WTS this week. And Shane Ryan wrote a great piece for Golf Digest, like going into the what what went into setting up that net and all that and, and all that fell apart when Bryson withdrew. But God, what that I just read that this week and I was like, what are we doing here? This is so dumb. Roll it back. It has to just roll back. It's like here yeah. we are talking, spending 10 minutes talking about, you know, arm lock putting. Yeah. It's like, yo, man, the look the, at this. There's the house is on fire out there. Like How the house ridiculous across the street is, is burning. What are we doing? It's uh, it's crazy. And I can confirm that range is tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah, from that Shane Ryan piece, I my heart goes out to those volunteers. It sounds like mm. they were in a terrible spot last year, just being bombarded with uh, golf balls you know you don't pay good money to, to be <laughs> i knew hit. that was <laughs> you don't nice be, set you up don't, randy <laughs> you don't pay good money to be potentially hit by golf balls all day okay uh so i'm glad they're at least trying to make it right for those volunteers but yeah i had to chuckle what it, it cost them about twenty thousand dollars and 30 man hours just to get the extra net up in place and then uh bryson withdraws a couple days before the tournament starts that's, There's got to be some other guys that were hitting it out of the ballpark, though, too. Couldn't have just been him. I think Rory was last year when because everyone was playing that one because it was the second event after mm -hmm. golf restarted last year. But, yeah, I, one, I was curious as to why Bryson was playing this event. You know, I, I got it last year when everyone was desperate for starts once golf restarted. But this year, committing to that after the Masters and on a golf course that does not reward his playing style um, was a bit surprising. But, yeah, that was that was just very much like, God, it was – just like so silly and we don't have to we could i don't want to do an hour worth of distance stuff but just like one add this to the files i think jeff shackelford added this to the ball goes too far files of like what are, what are we doing here this is just insane but yeah yeah i'm sure everyone everyone listening will agree with that and won't have any opinions on that <laughs> roll it all back i want to be rolled back let's play the hickory put give them the hickories come on yes, you know yes. give them niblicks <laughs> uh, shout out to uh first of all harold varner pumped his first ball ob today and went out and shot 66 
you're going to mess up, what hole do you want to do it on? First Neil? hole of the day. I don't know if I would have the mental or intestinal fortitude to uh, to bounce back. Well, Harold that, Harold is the one that got me lit up on that originally when he tripled. He had a great opening round at the Schwab, and then tripled the opening hole the next day, and was like, "Yeah, you know, when you're playing good, you can get it back pretty easy." And I was like, "Whoa, that is a great way mindset. of." I do not approach golf that way, but I'm going to try. And sure enough, pumps his first ball OB. Goes and makes five on that ball, shoots 66, and ends up tied for second with Emiliano Grillo, which uh, no, no matter how many different ways CBS pronounced it today, it is pronounced Grillo, um, which was pretty amazed that somehow that's still a thing, but uh, not to, we're not ready for Amsterdam just yet. Those are two guys that I, they, you know, I want them to break through. They're kind of, they, every, I don't know, two months, three months, or maybe, maybe less, they, they seem to get really hot and then come up a little short, but like HV3, easy guy to root for. And like he just kind of he kind of slaps it around a little bit, but then he's good. He's one of those guys that could get the ball in the hole, and it doesn't have to be pretty, which I really appreciate um, on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, he's 58th in strokes gain off the tee this week and finished tee two. That's that's hard. It to looks do. a little sloppy, yeah. but it's like I gotta I respect that game. It's it's uh you know it's kind of it's fun to root for. Corey Connors and Matt Fitzpatrick rounded out the top five. They both finished T four. Uh, Colin Morikawa, T7, Chris Kirk, T7, Cameron Smith, Shane Lowry, Russell Henley, and Webb Simpson, T9. Um, what do, what do we let me sorry to interject? What do we make of uh, our friend Corey Connors? He's he's on a good, pretty good heater, it seems like. What's, so what's his potential? I, I, I wish he could putt and specifically lag putting. He putted well like, this week, yeah. But I feel like, and this is again probably anecdotal, but I feel like he's always leaving himself five and six footers mm -hmm. on the second putt. and He's like a metronome, though. Like, I mean, he's just a machine from a ball striking standpoint. And I love it. the tempo and everything is aspirational. And Saul, you tweeted something today about Mav McNeely saying he maximizes his good weeks and then, you know, miscut, miscut, you know, top five, right? I feel like Corey Connors is the counterpoint to that <laughs> of like the guy is just like an automatic top 10, right? And, but he just can't seem to find it one week where he just takes it to the next level. So, I guess there's an argument to be made that like w like what game would you rather have? Would you rather be the guy that's hot and cold or just like kind of auto top ten? Uh, you throw more darts at the board, and some are going to hit the bullseye. Corey Connors yeah. going to win like a decent amount on the PJ Tour, I think. I mean, I, I'm I, I'm more impressed by the last several weeks from Corey Connors than I am distracted by not getting it in the hole or you know sure. not closing it out. So, Matt McNeely's playing style is so interesting because I think strokes gain approach is, you know, iron play is essentially the most important thing in golf. And, you know, he admittedly says that's the weakest part of his game. So when he has weeks where he's just like average with irons, he's going to do pretty well. This week he was almost perfectly average with irons and finished T4. Uh, he was fifth in strokes gain putting, seven strokes gain around the green, and he just chips and puts the lights out and uh, got a T4 out of it, which is an awesome week, and he's having a – a really a really good year he doesn't have like a lot of those he doesn't finish between like 25th and 50th he like top 25s or top 10s or he misses the cut which i found that <laughs> correlation to his overall approach really fascinating just I mean, like go I get it Combine those two guys right yeah Corey connor's is the exact opposite he's just a he's a machine like strokes gained approach pretty much to the green god that's 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 pretty cool man randy what do you think of Corey connor's i love him i i've Really enjoy watching him. I, I like his swing. Uh, he's a guy I'm I'm kind of rooting for. And of course, you know when he's he's a Mid American Conference guy out of Kent State. So 
you know, I, I'm all about the mid majors, baby. I'm I'm all for Corey. You you're you're into the maxion, huh? Exactly. Yeah. That also a, a a level wear guy, mm-hmm. which is they're playing a big part in our pro shop. So <laughs> shout out to the to another partner. Corey Connors is definitely a climbing the climbing my Mel Kiper big board right now. Uh, cleaning out the rest of the notes from Heritage. Siwoo Kim, do you guys see Siwoo Kim's ruling on Saturday? Uh, he hits yes. a putt from off the green. I did. Can you explain that to me? I'm I'm very. I'm confused. there. I got all the way there with the rule. I I saw okay. the highlight, saw the clip, and was like, "This is bullshit." Blah blah blah. So he hits a putt from off the green, rolls up, and just rests on the edge. And he's like, he just says it out loud, like, "Are you kidding me?" Takes his time to get up to the hole. So it's the player is allowed a reasonable amount of time to get to the hole. And then 10 seconds from there to wait to see if the ball falls in. And as he's getting ready, you know, to play uh, the putt, Kuchar's like, t- you know, talking to him, like, I think it's still moving. I think it's still moving. And they wait like close to a minute. Like they waited for a really, really, really long time, obviously well past the 10 seconds. And they knew that they claim the ball is still moving. How am I supposed to play it? And I was very much like, yeah, huh? how, how are you supposed to play a moving ball? Like, what the hell? Looked into the rule a little bit more. And it says rule 16.2 states that when any part of the ball overhangs the lip of the hole, the player's allowed enough time to reach the hole without unreasonable delay, additional 10 seconds, blah, blah, blah. If by then the ball has not fallen into the hole, it is deemed to be at rest. And that's the key point right there. It's like, all right, even if it's moving, if it takes over 10 seconds to fall in the hole, it's deemed to be at rest. It's been it's been declared at rest, yes. even if it's not. Correct. Which is, that's tough. I mean, that is tough. I like what that that extra forty seconds. You know, is that really that important? I, I mean, I don't know. It, if I don't know, there's a reason why it's there, right? For ten seconds, I think is a reasonable I mean, amount of time. You didn't hole it, man. Like it didn't go in the hole. It, it you had but, ten, but se- it did. It did go in the hole. Yeah, I know. And well, at, I mean, as much as we talk about the issues with slow play, yeah, maybe maybe that rule is necessary. Otherwise, yeah, you could sit there and wait for five minutes. Be like, it's still moving. I swear it's still yeah. moving. Like, you need that kind of buffer there. So he's penalized for the ball falling in the hole. He doesn't have to go replay it. I thought it was reasonable. I mean, it it does on the surface just overall stink. And I don't think they, like, fully explained all that. It took a little digging to get all the way there. Uh, it, it just kind of sounded, like, generalized. Like, oh, yeah, if that's the case, then, yeah, it's deemed to be at rest. And it, it's easy to look at that and be like, what the hell? It's still in motion. But that's not the case. But I... I'd like to give a, a, a shout out, and I've been meaning to do this for a couple of weeks. The tour has had a very clear social strategy change. And like when something controversial happens, they post a shit of it, like with all the relevant information you need, throw it out there and basically be like, do whatever you want with this. Yeah. The Instagram comments were a complete dumpster fire. Players were coming in on that, just like <laughs> ripping it. How can you have this rule, blah, blah, blah. Like they posted all on Twitter in a timely fashion. And that I am old enough to remember a time several months ago when that was not the way that that organization operated. So I want to shout that out. I've noticed it with the read thing. And when almost anything happens, they are like in front of it, like here is controversy. We, you know, we are to be critiqued on how this is handled, blah, blah, blah. But here it is. Here's the situation. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. That was also a spot where uh, I think it was Stephen Cox rule official. When both players are against you in the group, like that's a tough spot. He's like, well, he's trying to explain the rule and they're like, but it was still moving. Like he was just getting, body shots from both of them you know and he, but he stood his ground and yeah. i guess i you know you've kind of brought me over to this side because the initial argument was like well then what about you know phil at shinnecock like i guess i guess he's fine you know i guess that wasn't you know he 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 ran up there he he 
That was I'm always joking about that. <laughs> <laughs> but if the ball's still moving, it's like that could be a two-stroke penalty instead of like. So I guess he kind of got a one. Not really a one. It wasn't a penalty, but he that, got an extra stroke added to his yeah. to his score, which that, sucks. That was the key part in this specific instance that I guess rubbed me the wrong way is when even your playing competitors like, no, that ball was more or less moving the whole time, moving very slowly. I, I can see where if you go up to a ball and it's not, you know, it's at rest, your playing partner doesn't think it's moving, you wait like 25 seconds and maybe a gust of wind knocks it in. Like, I get why that rule's in place, but when the ball, when both guys think the ball is still moving, that's where I had a little bit of a problem with it. But, you know, it's, I guess it's not the end of the world. I think you're also protecting yourself against like ball resting on the lip. Everyone be like, no, 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 it's still moving. See, like, and there's no way to really tell if it is. And you could sit there and say like, ah, it's still moving. It's still moving. Whereas 10 seconds is a reasonable amount of time for it to change positions. If it actually is still moving. Oh, come on, man. These guys are class acts. They would never do something like that. Uh, exactly. I don't know, Jim. I don't know. Um, I would also like to say, uh kudos to the to the social team as you said em- embracing the controversy i would challenge the pga tour communications and uh discipline departments to take the same approach and you know embrace a little bit of controversy publish those punishments like let's let's be a real sports league huh guys and let's not get carried away and right? ladies yeah nice tour public detonation Hell yes, Randy. Anything else from Heritage? Are you guys ready to move on to uh, the Lote Championship? I had to practice saying that because I'm not. I'm going to screw it up at some point. I have one last thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Stu Sink, the group ahead of him was Grillo and Wallace. Grillo. Grillo. Excuse me. <laughs> you knew I was. You knew I was going <laughs> to not pronounce it right. Come on, dude. That's par for the course. It looks they will put on the clock today. Yeah, but early. It, but then I see Grillo, and it looks like he play. He's got like Matt Jones pace. So am I, is he just slow on the greens? Like, is that, I, I've, or is it just the telecast cutting to him right before he hits the ball? You don't know what's live and what's not with, yeah. with, you know, okay. pro golf. I, I don't know. I, I'm very much, especially when they're in twosomes on Sunday, like I am just not pace of play police. Like sure. these guys, the, the, the camera crews honestly need some time to get in, you know, in place to tell the stories and things like that, that they have not figured all that out enough for me to get upset about guys playing slow. Now, if you're playing slow enough that you're distracting your playing partners, I think that is integral to the competition. And there's some people that are tweeting, you know, you know, Corey Connors played bad on Saturday with Stu Sink. Colin Morikawa played bad with him on Sunday. They're having these really long, slow conversations that contribute. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of like, dude, that's just something you got to be able to handle in the yeah. final round of a of a of a big tournament on the PGA well, Tour. Well, to Grillo specifically, I made a note just because I like to I like it when the guys play fast, like Matt Jones. It's like I want to call him out, like. That's awesome. But then I was like, I was like, well, maybe, maybe that's not what's going if they got put on the clock. I'm trying to maybe it was Matt Wallace. So I don't know. Something, something to watch, Randy. Something to watch. Yeah. Uh my only thing too, Solly, was God, Cam Smith's got to be kicking himself this week. 14 birdies, no bogeys in the first and final rounds combined. And, you know, only finishes tied for ninth. Uh, I, I gotta think he's a bit disappointed. Um, especially with that second and third round performance, I, I felt like this was this was a week he, you know, could have could have been there right right there with Sink. You know the mangy dog will be back. I know. I hope so. I I, I love the guy. 
I'd like to give a shout out to Dustin Johnson finishing T13 just safely inside the top 20. He did. He was in the T34 land for a while there. God, that was great. <laughs> Truly like the bone spurs of uh, of of pouch dodging this this week. Oh, not great, bud. Not great. You can tremendous. answer for that tomorrow, though. Oh, God, I would be happy to. All I'll say about that is winners focus on winning, losers focus on winners. Uh, one, seen- one, two bets this week for the record, but also one last thing. Uh, Matt Wallace seems to be, you know, hot right now, playing good golf, except Sundays. It's almost like he just kind of opus days himself a little bit. Uh, 73 at, today. Yeah. You think that's, is that fair? It feels like he's just like Thursday, Friday, Saturday's balling out and then just implodes a little bit. Hmm. What a what an interesting golf course. It it you know is a very claustrophobic course. Like as someone who I I just can't picture myself playing this golf course in less than eighty five strokes and watching these dudes pick it apart and make it look so easy. It just blows my mind that just easily carrying trees, not not intimidated at all. I know they're the best players in the world, but that just place just looks so claustrophobic. The shot on fourteen, I would still be out there playing that one. I'd be chipping into the water after bailing way left. It has some true, true shot value on it. Despite it being kind of a birdie fest and some low scores, it is an interesting golf course to watch every single year. Randy, I know you're a big fan of the golf course, but I just wanted to shout that out. Yeah, I love it. I, I'll plug our uh, our Crash Course podcast series. I, I um, just talked about my experience there a couple weeks ago. Uh, it, it is a phenomenal course. It's gorgeous. It, it requires accuracy, uh, the greens, the bunkering, the little lagoons around the ponds. It's it's very cool in my opinion. Unfortunately, you know, last summer and again this year, not much wind. So the scores were really low. I, I like it a little bit better when, you know, that wind picks up and the winning scores around. I mean, gosh, it's been single digit winning scores some years. Uh, it, it can feel a little bit like a U.S. Open almost at times. But yeah, great stop on tour. I get why it's the week after the Masters. You know, it's such a great family spot. It's a great spot for guys to decompress after the, the uh, just the pressure of Augusta and the Masters. I would always love to see this tournament kind of away from the Masters with a consistently good field and just a little bit different time on the calendar, um, just to just to let it shine and really let the course shine. But you know, well, that, so that's you- all right. You said it earlier today, maybe, or maybe the notes of uh, it. You almost feel like ah, oh, the field, like it, and then yeah. it ropes you in. Yeah, right. You're like you. You go into the tournament expecting. I can't imagine caring about this this right. week. And, and that reminds me, it feels like vacation for these guys, and it almost feels like a uh, like some murder mystery book that you'd read on vacation, where you're like, <laughs> man, you picked up at the airport, like I don't, know, I don't think I'm gonna like this, and then you just get locked into it. You're reading some. You know, some beach book or something. It is, lures is you in. It yeah. very much lures you in by the end of it. And then it becomes a page turner a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, I was very ready to just not be committed to the tournament this week. And, you know, I was with my wife on Saturday and we went and got drinks at a bar. And I was like, hey, can you turn the golf on? I kind of yeah. want to watch the golf yeah. a little bit. Which I have a note in here to say, I was in several scenarios this this week where golf was on somewhere and I couldn't hear it. And golf is so much more engaging when you can't hear the announcers. It's wild. I'm serious. Maybe it's because the announcers are telling you what's on the screen, but I could not get away from the action, and I couldn't hear it. I was watching the Valero a couple of weeks ago. At a, I was out to to eat with my parents, and it, yeah, like Spieth on 18. Yeah, like, you just hit it on the scoreboard. Like yeah. what? What the hell is he thinking? What's he doing? And just it, it allows your your imagination to run wild a little bit. Try it sometime. Just try it, and and you know. 
put some music on while you're watching the golf and it makes the commercials way more tolerable. Otherwise, you just get so frustrated with all the interruptions. We'll get to Amsterdam, but just try it on mute. It's really interesting. Maybe it's just when you're in a bar setting, it you know is that much more intriguing. But Randy, I got a I got a take for you on tryout. Oh, please. Would you say that Harbor Town is a little bit like that gym, you know, both you guys, former basketball players, that gym where the, maybe the rim's a little soft, you know, for some guy, they, <laughs> they know how, like, that corner three, like, yeah, the you know, the the three-point line's a little messed up in the corner, and, <laughs> and you get a little extra edge. Like, the guy, it's almost like they know playing the placements and angles and where to land stuff. It's like, some guys just play really well out there. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. It's... Um... It's an outdoor court, though, like, right? Because when the wind gets up, those 100%. rims, you, you struggle to hit those rims. Uh, yeah, it takes a little bit of craftiness to, to play around there, which which I think we all, it, it's a very nice change of pace. Some That's, guys can shoot on double rims. Some guys can't. You know? <laughs> I certainly cannot. No, not me. <laughs> I needed the rim help. At the Lote Championship in Hawaii, Lydia Ko wins by a touchdown and an extra point. Uh, did this win feel different? You know, she won three years ago. That was kind of like her. I'm back, you know, winning for the first time in a couple of years, but then it went three more years without a win. Randy, as our LPGA expert and correspondent, did this, uh, did this statement from Lydia Ko feel a little different this time around? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's phenomenal for not only women's golf. I think it's phenomenal for all of golf. What a dominating performance. Neil, let me ask you a question. I, I think Solly might know the answer, but Neil, not to put you on the spot, how old do you think Lydia Ko is? Lydia Ko is 23. God, yeah, you, you nailed it. Nailed um, it. What and, a and, play. Has, and hasn't won in three years. So the 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 idea that she's won, what, one major in eight or more, eight tournaments before the age of? She won, no, she won 14 times before she turned 20. Yeah, that, so <laughs> even better than I thought, right? But like the a prolific career so far. Yeah. And I read, I, you know, Kevin Van Valkenburg's piece on her for ESPN and just like, she's thinking about retiring at 30. Like, I'd love to, I'd love to hear if she still, you know, feels that way. Right. Like and not the game, not coming so easy for her the last two or three years. Does that reinvigorate her or, you know, is she still kind of like, yeah, I want to have a life after golf. Yeah. Uh, well, Neil, very impressed. Uh, kudos to you for, for doing your homework. I yeah, think, you were trying. You were trying to get me, bud, and I wasn't going <laughs> to let it happen. I didn't think. I didn't expect that out of you, my strap brother. Well, you could have played along and guess like twenty eight or something. That would have been helpful. No, but, I, uh, I embarrass myself enough on this podcast where <laughs> I, I am. I'm. I am not going to let that happen. She. No, I'll say this. You know, I. I think I, I compared them. Uh, her victory in Jordan Spieth. You know, I feel like they've had a bit of similar droughts and of course re-emerging victories here uh within a few weeks of each other I, I think the one thing with lydia she had been knocking on the door even you know you go back to last year's marathon lpga in toledo where you know she she kind of gave it away on sunday for lack of a better word um she really gave that one away yeah and you know like this year she just had a runner up at the ana last week she she has been in in tremendous form so um yeah like i said just really I think really good for the game uh, that she has broken through. And, and hopefully, you know, if she's one of the top one, two, three best players in the world from now on, it, it just makes golf and, and women's golf certainly that much more exciting, I think. Uh, it's super easy to forget what she did. Justin Ray tweeted this on Saturday night, and I just I got it wrong. She has 14 wins total now, but wins before the age of 19 in LPGA history. Lydia Ko had 12. Every other player all time combined. 13. Wow. 
She yeah. has 12 of the 25 wins in LPJ history by teenagers. So there was a question uh, Jake Bailey had. Do you think it's fair, all the current Spieth and Co. comparisons, right? Or does that is that not doing Lydia Co. justice, right? Like, because, and and I'm, you know, it's, I think that's a really good question. I think it's, it you know, is, are we are we doing her a disservice by comparing her to Spieth? Like, I don't think. No, nah, the win numbers are very similar. You know, I mean, he yeah. he's what he's uh, Valero was his twelfth win. Is that right? And this is her fourteenth win, so it's uh, not not dissimilar at all. I wouldn't say um, this was her sixteenth LPGA win. Sixteen, sorry. Yeah, but she, you know, she has two majors where you can look at Spieth. He's got he's got three, and I, they are I, Neil. I don't think it's a disservice really to, to either one. I think it's kind of a compliment. Jordan's four years older, but you know, when when you think about when their career started or how yeah. long they've been playing, even though Lydia is only 23, she's, she's played a ton because she got such an early start. It looked Randy. I got to watch a good amount of it. First of all, having primetime golf on, on Friday and Saturday nights that just, it just hit different. I don't Sweet. know. It was so fun. The cr- the crew, the golf channel crew is small. It's, you know, it's Tom Abbott, it's Grant Boone, it's Karen, uh, Karen Stupples, Jerry Fultz, Kay Cockrell. Like it's a small crew, but like they are just hone in and they bring the goods. It was seriously entertaining. Lydia. I mean, we're talking about like I don't know if she ever saw a drive apex. I mean, she doesn't murder the ball, but she's dude. she's added 15 <laughs> yards of distance. And like, dude, it was just dead straight, like every single and hole. She's her backswing's not. Even, I was gonna say that her backswing's not even done, and she's picking up the tee. It's, like she's hitting this yeah. like knockdown three woods, like and she's not. It, I, I, a couple times I was like, is she upset with that drive, or she just knows right off the face where it's going? It's it's automatic. So. Expert level tour sauce. Yeah. Some of the best we've seen, Randy. Yeah. And Sully, to your point, I mean, it, it fits so well in the primetime slot. And I think that Saturday finish was great. I wish they could do that more often. Uh, this week was given the ladies an extra travel day. They go from Hawaii, they come back to Los Angeles this week, and then uh, they go to Singapore the week after. So, pretty hectic travel schedule here. Um, but yeah, it, it was great to flip on primetime golf and and live women's golf. I mean, it's please more of that. Yeah, <laughs> is it? Are they Friday or Wednesday through Saturday this week with a flight to Singapore? Or are they? They are. Yeah, it finishes oh, cool. on the twenty fourth. Oh, week, that's great. This coming week. That's cool. They're at Wilshire this week. That is another fun one to watch. But uh, yeah, gosh, I mean, so she shot sixty two in the final round of the ANA Inspiration, then went sixty seven, sixty three, sixty five, sixty five. And I know this course was set up easy. I think they're kind of counting on the wind to blow out there, and it did not. Uh, it was a bit of a pitch and putt. Maybe a little bit too much was read into Beth Ann Nichols' article, which I know we talked about <laughs> on the podcast. That it was maybe was it set up too easy for your liking, Randy? Are you worried about that that, that being a trend? I, I honestly, I. You know, I don't have a big uh, like mental repository to draw back on this tournament specifically. So I don't know if it was more the setup or just some some calmer wins. A little too many birdies for my liking. You know, I I think um, I I I think Beth Ann raised a ton of great points in her piece, and and I think I, I would like to see some changes made. But for me, part of the reason why I like women's golf is. It's a little bit of an anecdote to the men's game where it's just, you know, hit it as far as you can, hit a bunch of flip wedges who can make the most birdies uh, most weeks. This week, uh, you know, a, a little bit different, at least in the course. But, yeah, a little little easy, but I, I honestly I don't know whether to pin that on the weather or the setup. Yeah. Give me a mix of both. 
Yeah, right. I, 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 I didn't mind it. Like, give me a birdie fest one week, and yeah. then let's see something in single digits the next. I, I, I like the variety. I, I think it was it was pleasing to watch it, like it not being a struggle, right? I don't love tuning into the LPGA when they play some of these longer golf courses, and I think her overall point was like these courses are set up way longer than they than the equivalent on the men's tour, right? Yeah. And I think that. That can be a turnoff for people tuning in. Uh, you know, I, it's kind of counterintuitive to what we say a lot about setups on the PGA Tour, but I think there can be a place, you know, um, on on both sides of that of that coin, if you will. Yeah. Randy, a bigger question for you, maybe: Is it time to start talking about Nelly Corda's closing ability? Oh, Saul, you know I love uh, you know I love talking about questions like this. Um, I I don't think so. I mean, I think she just ran into a freight train this week. I'm not sure anybody's beaten Lydia Ko. Um, you know, I, Nelly's had what I think five top tens and six starts this year. So four it, top threes and six starts. Five top, top threes. Yeah, five top tens. You're right. Yeah. Um, With I'm, a win at the Game Bridge. I'm, I'm more I'm more seeing if you know you put some of your female things to the to the. Uh, <laughs> To the women the same way you do to, to my guy female well, well no there's a certain you know i've i've put a couple on uh on death watch i, I believe brooke henderson and and lexi thompson <laughs> I, I uh better start making some some final arrangements right. if if they don't you know randy are you uh are you scheduling any wakes not yet you know we have the whole year ahead of us but you know start getting the, the affairs in order maybe right. no with nelly i think you know i certainly would love to see her i i think the next logical step is, you know, let's let's get a major here, whether it be this year or, or certainly next year. Um, I mean, she is like the talent. Everybody, like, yes, I think everybody just wants her to be that that big American, be, you know, best player in the world talent that you can market around. And you know, that's that's maybe not fair to her. That's us putting a lot of pressure and, and expectations on her. But nah, she's she's a hell of a golfer and I I'm willing to give her at least through this year and next year. I'm I'm confident she's gonna, you know, at least clip one major in that time frame. Four career wins for, for Nelly Corda. She's twenty two years old. How many so. does Fino have? I forgot. God, this guy Do you how do we meet is, the line? I a question for you guys, uh as you know, watchers of more than I am of LPGA. Do you think it's easier for younger, like somebody to come out and break out on the LPGA tour? Big time. Yeah. Right. It is, it is. right. Yeah, okay. Is. I didn't want to, I didn't want to make no. that statement and and that be like, nah, that's just that's Lydia Ko. She was an outlier. No, it is very much a I I'm hesitant to answer it because there's a lot of factors that go into it. But you know, when it comes to parenthood and being a mother and and the way women's bodies progress, and I've asked I forget who I who I asked one uh, one of the LPGA players that came on the podcast this question and their perspective on it was really interesting. I'll have to dig that up because they gave a way way be, way better answer than I'm about to. But it is kind of like a get in there and do some stuff while you while you're young because you have an advantage while you're younger more so than like the men do. Sure. And, and I wish I could fully explain it, Randy. Maybe you can help me out with that a little bit. But it does. It is a very real thing. And there's women retire earlier in the game. They don't. You know, there's there's outliers, of course, but they don't play into their 30s and 40s nearly as deep as a lot of the men do. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's a hot potato. I'm not sure I wanted. Um, I, I don't have I don't have a better answer than that. I, I think um, instead of just talking out of my ass, I'll, I'll defer to, to anybody listening. Well, who maybe inform my, us. My anecdotal take would be Yuka Sasso. Right, you see, it's like man, look at that swing. Holy it's shit! Like how is that's like intimidating yeah. for me to see, and you think you're 
a veteran on the LPGA and just like every year there's like that's coming out on tour, like two or three of those swings. It's like, man, this is like that feels uh it feels more like other sports, say like basketball, where younger athletes can just come in and, and make a splash and make an impact uh, a lot quicker. Hmm. If somebody I, remembers, it might have been Liddy on the podcast that talked about this, you know, about I was how, gonna say yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say we talked to Lydia. Um, I, the only other thing I was going to say, if I'm hypothesizing, this is this is perhaps half-baked, uh, like most of my takes. But, um, you know, I, I think what we're seeing now is a little bit of that, for lack of a better word, like the, the Tiger Woods effect uh, infiltrating the women's game now, right? Like these these athletes that um, have have grown up in a post tiger world where there's such a premium put on strength training and flexibility and, and optimizing distance. Like that's just starting to hit the women's game in my opinion. And somebody like Yuka Sasso, like if somebody shows up with a real power game, it stands out more on the women's tour, I think than it would on the men's tour, just because it's almost like a prerequisite to get out on the PGA tour where it's not quite to that point yet on the LPGA. Yuka Sasso, I've, that was about as encapsulated by a golf swing as I've been. And they did a great – Karen Seppels did a great comparison, putting it side-by-side side with Rory and how she modeled her swing after Rory, and it was almost identical. And she is fascinating to watch hit the golf ball. 19 years old, Filipino, playing on a sponsor's exemption. She did not get into Wilshire with the top 10 finish this week. I don't know if she – I don't think she is in the field this next week, but that is going to be someone that's going to be very, very fun to follow if – she continues to swing it like that. So something about those the 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 young Filipinos, her and uh, Bianca Pogdanan, you know that they, they just hit the crap out of the ball. That's yeah, that's definitely fun to watch. Can I add another thing for any LPGA folks that are listening, maybe new listeners? Uh, when I say death watch and get your affairs in order, that is obviously <laughs> just a joke. Uh, that, is, that is a long-standing joke that goes back to, uh, of course, we we buried Rory a couple of years ago. So I, I don't want that to be taken in the wrong way. And you can still send, you know, in lieu of flowers, you can still send donations to Golf Pass. Buy a subscription to Golf yeah. Pass. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Usually I jump in to clarify that, but I'm so used to hearing about death watch now. Randy, uh, those were fully baked cakes, all of them, all well, of them. I love them. Well, I don't need, yeah, I don't need uh, Stanley or any of the Canadian journalists coming at me about, uh, <laughs> you know, Brooke Henderson. Uh, shout out to Leona McGuire, uh, former top-ranked amateur in the world, uh, T2, her best finish uh, in her young LPGA Tour career. Uh, I know the Irish lads were quite excited about that one, as well as Young Kim had a great uh, Sunday 65 to finish T2. So. And a-, a Lim Kim, who you might remember uh, from last year's U.S. Open, down in in Houston in December, she uh, has joined the PJ Tour top ten here. Uh, hopefully, she'll be LPGA Tour. Sorry, LPGA <laughs> Tour. Um, ho- hopefully, she'll be a mainstay here. Good, good to see more of her as well. It is time for our BMW Ryder Cup segment. BMW is a global partner of the Ryder Cup. They are a partner of ours, uh, and they help us help support us as we have several Ryder Cup conversations leading up to Whistling Straits coming this fall. A lot of questions about the Ryder Cup this week. Early in the week, it was about someone that was arm-locking. Now it is trending now towards Stuart Sink, which we'll get to. But Will Zalatoris for the Ryder Cup. He was 18th in the points coming in this week. A lot of questions. Can he be on the Ryder Cup team if he's not a PGA Tour member? Blah, blah, blah. He's rising in the standings. As we're standing right now, if you had to make teams, I know I'm putting you on the spot with this. Is Will Zalatoris on your Ryder Cup team? I would say no. Not right now. But we're monitoring the situation, Randy. I think we're we're you know we're looking at things. Uh, we we have some time left. 
but right now I would say no. Is, is there's that too much? There's too much depth. For I was going to say, is that an? That's not an indictment of Zalatoris. It's the, the the U.S. depth. And right if now I was a captain, game. I would say, you know, why throw the the young buck in too quick? Like he's he looks like he's here to stay. Let's you know we've got some we've got some dudes in the stable right now. Oh. Randy, what's your take? God, Neil, you. I mean, we're we're perfect point counterpoint on this. <laughs> I absolutely am taking him on my Ryder Cup team <laughs> for exact final. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, for exactly the reason that you just said, like if this is the dude and he's going to be, you know, among the top American men for conceivably the next dozen years or so, I would rather pick him two years too early, but have him get that crucial experience, especially with the Ryder Cup on U.S. soil. I've long been yearning for Ryder Cup ca captains to be a little bit more prognosticators in, you know, bring up those young guys. I, I want to see guys who are maybe untested, but with a world of potential over, you know, the Coochers and uh, some of these other guys that just seem to be on the team every year and, and don't really, you know, it's like they have very unexceptional records. I think that's a very fair point, but my uh, counter counterpoint to that would be, do you want to see a Christian Leitner dream team situation? Like we don't know if if Zalatoris is going to be the dude. He he's going to be around, but is he the dude? Wouldn't it be fun to find out though? And if he's not the dude, it would be. Then, You're right. You know that that informs us. But uh, you know, I, I'd look at him. I'd look at Scheffler. You know, I'm a huge Max Homa Homer, so of course I'd pick my friend Max. Uh, but I I would rather err going that way than you know just recycling some of these names over and over again that haven't made it on points but are like just right outside and it's but like that, dude, that's we, where we've I'm seen at. you the last four five Ryder cups i'm 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 with you on the old guys you know let's not go with the conservative picks but there it feels like there's enough young guys that haven't gotten the chance ahead of zalatoris in the young buck stable that he wouldn't be on my squad right now solly you're you are the resident Ryder cup <laughs> expert here die hard what do you think I think that uh, Zalatoris is, if he's if he continues trending this way, no reason why he shouldn't be on the team. Okay. Am I putting him on right now? I'm kind of like right now, but yes, because like Brooks is not on my team right now. I mean, if we're, if we're talking about a health perspective, like I, I, there's no way he's on my team right now. He's a giant question mark. Big key. This might sound extremely obvious, but based on some of the questions we got, uh, apparently it's not that obvious. The Ryder Cup is several months away. So I am honestly, I will not lock in one single player as of right now into the Ryder Cup team. Like Dustin Johnson, not a lock in my book. All right. I know that sounds crazy, God. but like, dude, if he has like a shitty three months and it has some more injury, like he was shooting in the 80s last July, right? If that happens right before and he's got a knee problem going on or a back problem going on and he doesn't have a great Ryder Cup record to start with. Give me the hot guys. I want the the guys coming in hot. Okay, <laughs> you sound like a you sound like a high school football coach. That's exactly that's the team. Like, point no one star spot. player. You hey you yep you're out. No, you're out. Just trying to make an make an example out of it. DJ. Hey. No, he's not. He's not a lock. Come on. Every Monday we compete for that spot. Gentlemen. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Well, Chez, he's got a chance. <laughs> I'm right. Dustin Johnson got suspended before the 2014 Ryder Cup. He has not been a reliable guy for the. He's been one of the best players in the world for the last decade. Has he been a reliable Ryder Cup player? I wouldn't say so. So, like, prove to me that your that your spot should be a lock. Like, it, it is. We have to. You have to approach this thinking about who gives us the best chance to win in September at Whistling Straits in a different environment than every other golf tournament you watch, right? Does Stuart Sink 
you know, give you a great opportunity to win at, at Whistling Straits because he won a tournament the year prior to that and also won at Hilton Head, a polar opposite golf course in April? Absolutely not. Like, Stuart Sink would have to win five more tournaments before I'm like, okay, put him on the Ryder Cup team. And he would have to have, like, not finished outside the top 20 in any of, the, any of the others. So you're way out on, like, the rankings. Oh, the points are so dumb. So it should just be it should be all captain's picks, which I know yeah. Randy's behind. I love that, yes. He's, like, 37th in the – he was, like, uh, coming into this week, his points were not even close. You know, sure. I know he won in the fall, but, like, the way they're doing the points this time around, it's even worse than normal. And, listen, the top six guys in the points have probably earned their spot, right? Now – Kepka's sixth right now and falling, and if he's not going to be playing, I don't know if he's going to make it on points. Sure. I mean, if he comes back and proves it and is healthy, then of course I think he should be on the team. But as of right now, do I want to pencil him in? Of course not. Like hit, that's a giant question mark. Hit me. Do you have the list handy? I do. DJ Bryson, JT Morikawa, Shoffley, and Kepka right now. Okay. Reed's in seventh, uh, eighteen hundred points behind Kepka. Then it goes Finau, Webb, Berger, Spieth, Horschel, Cantlay, English, Scheffler, Homa, Kokrak, Zalatoris, Wolf. Ooh. It's deep. I would say I'm I'm fully on board with the the list is a tool for the captain to pick the team, yes. right? Like so that that that's a uh, a barometer for him to kind of evaluate what he's thinking. But it's twelve it's twelve captains picks, and if he wants to pull somebody off the you know who's on who's thirty but is hot right now, yo sign me up, Randy. I'll ride with you on that. Maybe uh, maybe a guy like Akshay could be the Christian Leitner, right? Like, let's bring Akshay <laughs> to the writer. Cup. I think Zalator is a pretty good Leitner comparison, <laughs> right? With the blonde hair and just, I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't know if this guy's got it, but he played well for Duke and he had a, he had a good run. Let's throw him in with Jordan and Barkley and the boys. Yeah, yeah. I know I, people don't want to remember this, but J.B. Holmes was a captain's pick in 2016 at Hazeltine because they knew they were going to cut the rough down and they made the pick based on, like, we are going to bomb it. Like, we are going to play – you know, to cut corners and hit it far. And he went, uh, I forget what he how, what he actually did in that Ryder Cup. Looks like he went, he was one and two, so it didn't go great. But still, like that's how you should approach it, right? If you're going to set the team up for like this style of golf course, then that's the way you should approach it. Stu Sink, like winning around a tight little golf course does absolutely nothing for me. Am I happy for Stu Sink? It was, you know, is that tremendous what he's done? The U.S. depth is out of control right now. And, and to add in 47-year-olds, Stu Sink would be a nightmare. But the driving distance stats. For this one week, it's <laughs> tremendous, and that's fine. It, and like, I get it, but uh, it, there's no reason. Again, if he has a major career renaissance, we can talk about it. Like, if he beats the door down, then we can have the conversation. But winning a, an event in April does absolutely nothing for me. Am there I convincing you? you? There yeah. you have it. I was yeah. just gonna okay. say, I'm, you, listen, I'm on board with that. German Fitz 88 says, If Billy Ho is seventh in the Ryder Cup standings, does he get a pick? Could combust at any moment at Whistling Straits. He would be fun to watch in that environment. Uh, I'm, not, I'm on that boat with with P. Reed too. Send them both, man. I think he would care. I'm out on Reed. Reed's got to go. Reed's got to go. Uh, there's no reason to go with Reed. Horschel, you could talk me into that. Okay. Well, I I don't know with Reed. He's he's a killer. I think you could. I know he's bad teammate. He's a team killer. <laughs> he's a, yeah. But how how I'm, he I'm on the fence with Reed. I as selfishly for content. Sign, can, sign me up. Can I remind you what he did the last Ryder Cup? He shot 84 playing with Tiger Woods, claimed Tiger Woods apologized to him about how bad Tiger played, <laughs> and then bitched about how he said, oh, I guess Jordan doesn't want to play with me, bitched about the pairings, lied about what Furyk had told him, and threw the captain under the bus on his way to going, uh, what did he go? He won his singles match, I think, but just completely bombing out of team play and being like the poster boy for what was wrong with the 2018 team. 
And then since then, he's yeah, been that in, was sick. Since then, he's <laughs> been in up. two cheating incidents. <laughs> And now you want to put him on the back on the Ryder Cup team. And his, nah, and his caddy punched a fan at the yeah, Presidents, that's Cup. Presidents Cup. That's what? such a good rap sheet. Like, I was going to say, now what's the bad news? Yeah, I know. I'm in, man. Like, that would be fun to watch. Mm. <laughs> Take me out. Take it away. Take it all away. He's Listen, it's like uh, Matt Wallace. It's new perspective. You know, he's, he's nah. grown up. Come on, man. Come Take on. It away. Take it away. On the European tour front, John Catlin wins the American. John Catlin wins in a five-hole playoff. It's his third European Tour win in eight months. I think he should be around 77th in the world, per uh, of course, per VC606 on Twitter. Some people are saying it's a manipulation to, you know, to be 77th in the world playing the European Tour. But, you know, listen, i got to be fair. Just because he's American doesn't mean he's not manipulating the world rankings. But impressive. That was awesome. Maximilian Kiefer made an eight on the fifth playoff hole. Uh, after they played the same par three? Same par three on repeat. It was so silly. And, yeah, I didn't get to watch much more than, than just the playoff. But gosh gotta gotta set up a little bit better for a playoff than just playing the same par three like a 12 percent birdie hole i think i saw 12 percent of the field was birding it so it's just gonna be trading pars back and forth forever until somebody messed up but just a just an unsubscription just forward slash unsubscribe app i made nate i'm, I'm out guys i'm out take me off your list i uh i had never hand up never heard of john catlin which solly i i i think almost compels me to side with you and that he's he's probably a manipulator uh but i was i was looking on his wikipedia page he went he played at the university of new mexico which instantly has me wondering if our if our friend fags uh ever ran into him out there that'd be that'd be a question for fags i can't answer that one for you bud but. <laughs> no, I, I thought maybe scott scott fegley of strap fame shout <laughs> yeah. out to scott yeah great guy he, he was at he was at new mexico for a couple years i think you know who else said new mexico for for a year TA? TA3. Yeah. Long time ago. And then you know what he did? He went and played the Euro Tour. Hmm. Mm. He's going to be knocking down the door on some WGCs here pretty soon. Anything from Amsterdam from you guys? For the new listeners, Amsterdam is where we try to isolate all of our frustrations with golf television coverage into one segment of the show so it doesn't bleed into other segments of the show. I have two things. One, I want to shout out the Aeon Risk Reward segment yes. once again. It's another example this week of a sponsored segment that was adding value. And I learned something from it, and it's basically the counterpoint to the FedEx file. Kudos to the Aon Risk Reward. FedEx Cup file's gotten better. They've, okay. they've taken some notes on that as well. They took a beating for what it used to be, but it's gotten a little bit better. It's I'd not say a little bit. Not, not, yeah, not, not where we need it. Risk it's a little pitchy just. still, yeah. dog. And I would say another is, it's a question to you guys. Um, why is it that some see a, a beautiful golf course oh with my God. an incredible view, yet Dustin Johnson sees an aggressive pin and a, a two-club headwind? Shout out to Roy Munson uh, for calling that to my attention. He didn't really need to because it's the same RBC commercial on every break. It bugs me that I'm, especially the title sponsor who's going, you know, they're going to have a commercial every segment. It should be a requirement that there's more than one. Yes. The brand damage. Exactly. It's, it's brutal. It's like, yo, what, who is your agency? What are we doing here, guys? Like you are doing damage to your brand by sin, saying the same, you're mailing it in. This is bullshit, period, point blank. It is such a middle finger to the viewer, the golf fan, to run a repetitive golf commercial that is doesn't make sense from a golf perspective. Like, it is so freaking backwards. And listen, I know that we are in a commercial for a title sponsor on the PGA Tour, so take that for what it's worth. But the Charles Schwab commercials, like, they created interesting golf content around people in golf, right? And, like, put their name on it and say, like, identified challengers like people that ask questions there's a mike kaiser one there's a troy mullins one there's a mark brody one there's going to be 
all kinds of new ones this year. Like they switch up their commercial flow and give the golf fan like some something to go off. And of. there's like, actually a strategy. It's like go yes. watch this video on our website. There's an eight minute video. Here's a 15, 30 second like teaser. And then there's like a there's a funnel. There's a strategy. The RBC and also like I, I'm sorry, but uh, Dustin Johnson isn't calling out to me as like, man, that guy can pick stocks, right? Like <laughs> I want to put my money with DJ. So then there's just that whole disconnect of like, dude, I don't know if DJ's like, I, I'm. Why is there a branch in the way from the middle of the fairway? Also, it, and he just the whole time he doesn't say anything. He's just looking. It, it's just not good. And it's like somebody do something. This is it. They're wasting their money. It's it's doing the opposite of what you wanted to, wanted to do, which is make me go call you. To give you my money i'm not going to do that hmm. so sorry i'm no. all I'm, randy i'll give you the last word <laughs> oh hamsterdam i'm i'm seeding my time today i'm i'm giving back my time to the committee neil i love you getting worked up about it that helps me justify getting worked it up about drives it. me because also that same freaking commercial is on every week yeah it's like you're the title sponsor this week come bring me something new guys what are we doing I don't. I truly don't understand. RBC, you hear work. this? Get at me. Yeah. I, I would. I would be happy to. To, you know, this is bullshit. All right. It is. Uh, I mean, the commercial load was a total. And that's disgrace. not even CBS related. No, commercial load total disgrace. That's on PJ Tour. Same thing every week. I'd say going off the air on Friday while the cut was still in jeopardy. Uh, I like tuned in to watch. Like, all right, Tommy Fleetwood might make the cut. <laughs> like Hunter Mahan might make the cut for the first time. And like they show him tee off on seventeen. Just never followed up. Went off the air, never updated on what happened on the cut line. The cut line moved again since they went off the air. It's like, dude, again, we're gonna talk, we're gonna transition to Formula One after this. Like, they make <laughs> you care about the midfield. Like, sure. what the hell is the point of paying 65th place five thousand dollars or whatever it is if you're not gonna cover it? Like, make me feel something for the guy that makes the cut and plays the weekend. Yeah. Like Friday afternoon should be that every single time. Like the leader might not be on the golf course. You might not have a great story out there. Give me the guys on the cut watch. You know, free, I mean, free idea for the telecast PGA tour. They could sell a sponsor of like, you know, the cut line. Sure. Like just the cut line red alert. Like hit me with some dudes that like pick five guys and be like, yo, this guy's grinding right now. Cut like, line brought you to you could, by Edward Scissorhands. You could, yeah, you could own Friday night with like whatever random NBA games on. Like people are looking for something to have on in the background. Like why are we cutting to, you know, golf central or whatever. So, yo, Charlie, I'm with you on that. That's, that's a, that's a massive miss by the, uh, by the powers that be. Hmm. I think that's, that's pretty much all I have. Yeah, but we also, got kind of worked up this Hamsterdam, huh? Also not, not acknowledging Denny McCarthy's hole in one because they don't have the video for it. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> much par for the course at this point for CBS, but that's about it. <laughs> Formula one. That was close. no more golf Fun talk. Guys. If you are, if you do not like uh, Formula One talk, go ahead and uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in. But we, uh, Formula One is back, second race of the year. Max Verstappen wins at Emola. I don't know if you guys saw, did you see Poulter uh, was uh, streaming the F1 match during his round on his phone this week? I did Which, not see that. P Fitz4 is asking, is Poulter watching the F1 race on his phone during the front nine? Not a penalty. How is, I don't know how, I don't know what the phone rules are. What prevents you from calling your coach during the middle of a round? Like, yo, what's going on here? It feels like it's a, uh, well, I think a that's frowned upon thing. Yeah, isn't that like explicitly illegal? Aren't you not allowed know. to get advice from anybody Soliciting. outside your caddy or something? I guess. But what if what happens if, it, if, it, if while you're watching the F1 race, a text comes in like you are dipping your right shoulder really bad through the impact zone? It's a gentleman's game. I think you have to call a penalty on yourself. Hmm. Are you team Botas or team uh, George Russell on the uh, collision today? Well, Botas is on my, uh, on, on my, I guess, our fantasy 
our fantasy league squad. So I obviously have to stand up for my dude, but I think, you know, I'm I'm team Russell. And it looked like yeah. they were trying to say that he went over to say like, oh yeah, help. Check I to see if he's okay. I legitimately thought he was going to help him out of the car. <laughs> That's not what happened. <laughs> he spooked him, man. That was I think that was on Valtteri. It was drifting right, and it spooked my boy George. I, I felt bad for him. That was a pretty gnarly crash. Russell's comments afterward, you know, and watching it again, it wasn't like blatantly obvious that Botas, you know, it was at fault. But he was just the point was like, dude, when you're on that straight, going that speed. Like you can't juke someone like that. Like that's it's one thing to kind of make a move at somebody around a turn where you're braking, but when you're going 200 plus miles an hour, like yo, that is dangerous. It almost Botas was having a horrible race to begin with. Yeah, so it was almost like he's just really frustrated, and he was just, you know, just and, didn't have his stuff. Basically, yeah. it looked like he was frustrated. And my guy Georgie had his Williams up in the points at that time. Like it was a I travesty. Know. God, Georgie just how about uh how about Lewis Hamilton getting almost stuck in an Austin Powers situation <laughs> <laughs> where he, he couldn't he couldn't hit reverse? Like I don't think those cars have reverse, right? He was trying yeah. to turn the wheels, he couldn't he couldn't get it off the wall for a while. He it's got super he got weird. crowned by that by that crash. I I yeah. I wouldn't put it past Toto to to call that play into to Botas to help out Lewis. Ooh, wow, oh, yeah. that's the four D chess I'm I'm talking about, Randy. The hell yeah! It always falls Hamilton's way. Like I yeah. I appreciated him. You know when they restarted the race, he's in ninth and he like overtook. I was gonna say, and then he takes advantage of it. But yeah, it always does break his way. But like the there was overtaking so much debris though. Like they had to, they did, but he got, he was lapped. He yeah. like, after going into the wall, he was lapped. He was so far down. And like, when you restart the race, you're not lapped anymore. Like you get, you unlap yourself. So once you roll that back out, like starting under the safety, like you can't stay in front of Hamilton. Like he just, he's going to get you. You're going to have a bad time. Um, And so I, but I appreciate watching Hamilton just, just, you know, inhale racers one by one. <laughs> I think that's awesome to watch. And Verstappen was just, pure class i mean he was that was a near perfect race from him he's a sociopath well the start was awesome that movie made yeah inside of hamilton on the start was was so cool uh and i'm just excited it looks like we have a a real driver's race this year with, with hamilton and verstappen i, I want to shout out you know the ferraris good good week on their on their home circuit and uh the mclaren's looking fr as frisky as ever so i I think exciting stuff. Do we get another race next week, or do we have to take a week off? I don't think there's many back-to-backs. You know, we got a little too used to the COVID schedule. I think uh, I could be wrong. April 30th through May 2nd, so we have a week off, okay. and then Portugal. So, come on, they got to get those those cars somewhere else. Do you like logistics. the Do you like the wet? I thought the start was sweet. I, I love when the when the conditions get uh, get a little dire. I thought the strategy element of it is so much better when you have to start yes. on wets and like wait for the track to dry out and and you can kind of wait for somebody to go out on uh, on slick tires and see what happens. Like they all waited and Vettel went out and was like kind of skidding all over. Like all right, not yet, not yet. That was an interesting element to it. Gasly came out on the on the wrong tires and just you know intermediate guys were just flying by him. I'm starting to get the hang of the tire strategy. That's one thing that kind of took a bit of time to get used to in the in the sport. But the the rain for a a newbie like me that that helps me understand the strategy yeah. because it's almost like you get the drivers talking to the team in just you know plain english of like when are we switching the tires it's yeah. like oh okay so they have two sets of tires it just kind of helps you pick it up faster so and obviously just rain like is chaos anyway mm -hmm. right you get you get these kinds of crashes that's just exciting stuff yeah. so fun race this morning
I'd say the, the goat tax you guys are making me pay on Hamilton's points where I only get 66% of Hamilton's points for my fantasy team is it's a tough penalty. Don't you dare complain. You knew it's exactly. Tough. I know. Crown with you. Too. you were on. not surprised by that. I know, but it's just, it's a little harsh, especially with how good Verstappen's been. <laughs> um, but no, I can't, I, I this is going to be a tremendous, tremendous season from what I can tell as in my second season as an F1 fan, and this is going to be the best one. yet. <laughs> Anything else before we wrap? Do we want to talk big, big content week coming? This big week? content week coming. Uh, we have uh, the debut of a new series of ours. I don't know if it's a series or not. Part one of maybe of one. Hopefully not, but it's called A Week in the Life. Uh, Randy, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, uh, this is one of the more proud projects. Am I saying that right? I, I'm I'm as proud of this project as I am of, of anything we've done. I'm very excited for everybody to see it. DJ and I and, and you, Chris, we went down to the GameBridge LPGA uh, in the middle of February down in Orlando. And thanks to Madeline Sagstrom uh, and a couple people in her camp, essentially followed her around all week and got to see what life was like, uh, both at the course, uh, all parts of the course, uh, but as well as at home. And DJ has been deep in the edit bay for uh, about a month and a half. And uh it's finally ready. And so it's, I, I'm really excited. I, I think it will be, you know, I, I don't know what the cadence will be, but hopefully we can do a week in the life on a lot of different tours and a lot of different levels of golf. I, I think it's a really fun, exciting premise. And I think Madeline is like the perfect person to start out with. I, if you're not a Madeline's action fan after watching uh, the video this week, then I, I don't know what, what would convince you. If you wanted, a lot of people have been clamoring for a, you guys should do a drive to survive like that on, on professional golf. If you want to see what drive to survive would look like on quite literally like one, one hundredth million of the budget. Uh, that's what I think this looks like. It is uh, very much not the same, but at the same time, kind of like as close to a behind the scenes kind of interest piece as, uh, as I think we're capable of doing uh, with our current setup and big shout out to the LPGA tour folks for as cooperative as they were and letting us do that shoot tournament footage do all kinds of things that uh we would get shot for on the pga tour <laughs> I was gonna say, I Randy, that was a pretty optimistic yeah end to your spiel about well yeah, no i don't think on lots of tours well no, that european would, tour maybe yeah that i know one tour would cooperation work. exactly well no it's it's essentially like one tour that we won't do it on but you know you, you think <laughs> about different levels of golf like college golf right you know, maybe a mid-am going to a big tournament. Like there's maybe just, a drive, chip, and putt. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, lead up to the Masters. <laughs> the possibilities are endless, but don't don't look for one on the PGA Tour anytime soon. We yeah. got some. We got the Wild World of Golf in the in the uh, edit bay right now. We've got a, a new series, the NLU Film Room. There's a lot of good stuff coming. There's a podcast coming this week as well with Madeline Sackstrom, which kind of adds a little bit of color uh, and background to to her story and you know to the video as well. So. Gentlemen, thank you for a lovely Sunday evening in the Kill House. We have some traveling to do this week. Uh, we will see uh, all of you guys back here at this time next week. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.